Thank you, worship team. Let's give them a hand of applause. So awesome this morning, and uh, they sounded really, really good. Well, it's good to see everybody this morning, and it's great to see some new faces. If I haven't met you, I eventually will. Um, please um, take the time to greet me if, I, if you see me, and uh, I'll be happy to introduce myself. Um, before I get started here, I think most of you know that I've been a hiring manager, a trainer, and a human resource manager for many, many years. And... I do a lot of training with groups, so I have people in the audience. And sometimes, depending on the subject, it can be really boring. What happens when it's boring? Yeah, so, you know, I have a technique on how to prevent that. And I got it right here. <laughs> so if I have a student or uh, an employee that falls asleep in training, I'll give him a squirt. This thing can actually go back towards M. It will. Yeah. And you know what? Who's going to get wetter to this morning? That would be my father-in-law. So he will uh, definitely get the, the, the squirt of it all. And I tell you, that first squirt is pretty wet. So, But uh, yeah, that's just uh, something I used in the past. And don't worry, I'm not going to scorch you with water, but uh, we go, we're going to have some, we have a tough subject this morning, and I just wanted to forewarn you, this subject is, honestly, it's, it's, it's scary to me, I'm scared, uh, but that, that's a good thing, because we should be. God's grace gives us that opportunity to uh, share his word, share his love with other people, and that's what we're all about. Um, before I get started into the boundaries and spiritual warfare, the picture of this book that we're, we're actually extracting some of the information comes from boundaries. Dr. Henry and Dr. Townsend, probably some of you are familiar with this book. If not, uh, it's pretty cheap on Kindle. There's scriptural-based uh, references on boundaries uh, in this book, and it's a really good read. So if you have the opportunity to uh, read it, Read it. It's really, really good. All right. So before I get started, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time that we can come together and be in your presence. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for the power that you give us to protect our families, protect our, ourselves. Father, we're so great. Just bless this time and speak through me. Lord, we just give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I start into, again, before I start into this topic of boundaries, I want to uh, kind of remind you the definition of a boundary. As Ben mentioned a few weeks ago, um, the, the definition of boundary is a limit. You always see that limit in that definition. Uh, Webster Dictionary defines a boundary something that indicates a, or fixes a limit or an extent. So that is, that is basically what a boundary is. Now, in order to go into the boundaries and spiritual warfare, we have to look at the kingdom of God, okay? Kingdom of God is spiritual. Um, we, we must ask ourselves, 
what the kingdom of God is. And to start out, the kingdom of God is spiritual. Turn to your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. If you don't have your Bibles, your phone, we have Bibles under the chair. I'll have it uh, on, the, on the screen for you to review. But Luke chapter 17. I'll give you some time to uh, turn to that. So it reads, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now you've got to remember, Jesus told his disciples when they were rejected, proclaiming the kingdom, they were to say, nevertheless, Know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Now turn to your Bibles to John chapter 18, verse 36. And I'll have it on the screen again for you. Now in this scripture passage, standing before Pilate, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were... My servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. Again, the kingdom of God is spiritual and it is within you. It is a spiritual rule of government. It affords spiritual benefits. And what I mean by spiritual benefits, it is improve your health, a better mental health, more gratitude, more compassionate, strong family bonds, connecting with others spiritually. It's your purpose in life. It creates and occupies a spiritual territory. It reflects the spiritual glory. It is where God rules. That means God's kingdom is wherever people obey him. <laughs> Boundaries, therefore are spiritual and moral. This is very important as we face our daily warfares. Now you have to agree that we are involved in a continuing battle with Satan. Yes? Yeah. Absolutely. Sadly to say, statistics show that a woman is raped every two minutes in America. On average, 47 people are murdered in the United States every day. Every 15 seconds a home is burglarized occurs in the United States. If this doesn't convince you that we are in a battle with Satan, what does? And also, folks, we can't ignore abortion. How many babies are killed each year? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 4. I'll have it on the screen. No, they are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. Now, you've got to remember, in this scripture, Peter continues to describe how Christians should respond when faced with persecution. We have to take on Christ's attitude. 
We expect God's purpose for your life. And this should include suffering. This sets the course of your life away from mind-numbing pleasure-seeking. Be alert, folks. Be alert. You can pray effectively in these end times. In fact, rejoice if you share in Christ's sufferings. We should all rejoice in Christ's sufferings. God uses the suffering to refine the faith of his people. And the present sufferings contributes to the future glory. If you suffer, remember this, if you suffer, keep doing good while trusting your soul to your creator. You know, the, the, the statement that kind of makes me awake or wakes me up is that we are to be treated like Jesus was. Um, if you go back to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 14, it states, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and the God rest on you. fact is, anytime you're struggling, you're being tempted by Satan. Do you agree with that? I think so. Knowing the right decision is not easy. Doing it may not be. Friends, the Bible tells us that all of us are in the devil's crosshairs, continually targeting us day and night whenever and ever and forever. The enemy is always looking for an opportunity to cause us to disobey God and to do what and to do what we should not do. So remember that we are in the crosshairs of Satan every day. Going back to 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 tells us, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know, the, the fact is, folks, the, Satan tried to destroy me, but God Almighty restored me. Amen? Amen? Satan tried to destroy me, but God Almighty restored me. The key to resisting temptation is to, I call it, nip it in the bud. You can put whatever word you want to put in there, but I nip it in the bud. So how do, as Christians, overcome temptation? If you're writing in your notes, one, we avoid it. Sometimes discretion is better part of valor. Don't forget to offer your mind to God. He knows better than we do what is good. 
Now, in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What about working on your selfishness? True love doesn't know selfishness. If you love Jesus, you don't belong to yourself. And you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. We must confess. This heals us, and we start over spiritually healthy. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it states, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of righteous man is powerful and effective. What about accountability? I strongly believe in accountability partners. One that can stand beside you and hold you accountable for your walk with Christ. When you're accountable to both man and God, it helps us to overcome temptation. In Genesis chapter 4, 9 through 10, then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Last but not least, understand your enemy. In Ephesians chapter 6, 12 through 13, it states, Our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but again, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything and stand firm. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. And then think of heaven, folks. Blessed is anyone who endures temptation, such as one has stood the test and will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. James chapter 1, verse 12. Are you ready to sacrifice for Christ? If you're not ready to sacrifice for, for Christ, the truth is, folks, that you're going to be struggling with sin. Has anybody been to Washington, D.C.? Okay. In the shadow of the Lincoln Memorial, one of the most solemn memories in America is the Vietnam Veterans Memorial. I had the opportunity to go see that. And uh, it's just a, uh, it's a humbling experience. Uh, I did find some of my relatives back in my family history on that wall. But there's 58,000, over 58,000 soldiers that have given and sacrificed their lives for our country on that wall. It's enough to, to reduce even the most callous to tears. Um, it's 493 feet a black granite stone and stretches across the lawn. Now, when you stand in front of it and gaze at the names on it, you are drawn to something unique among monuments. What do you think it is? Absolutely. 
is your reflection of yourself. Your reflection is a vivid emotional reminder that the people whose names are listed on the wall died serving the United States and by extension died serving you. The same is true about the sacrifice Jesus made. Now let me ask you a tough question. Do you see your reflection upon the cross? Because Jesus Christ laid down his life as a sacrifice for you. The sacrifice was made for you, folks. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He paid the ultimate price for our sins. So this sacrifice is a call to action. We should be motivated by this sacrifice and we should, we should be moving forward with our, our, our discipline in what Christ has given us. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. That is our call. Now you have to remember at this time when that directive was given to the disciples, they weren't yet on fire, but we have that opportunity to be on fire. So my friends, what are you doing? Jesus offered himself up as a sacrifice for you. Are you willing to tell others? We look back at the Vietnam Memorial Wall. We look back at this wall and we remember that the sacrifices that, that, uh, and share them with others to the next generation will not be forgotten. Let me repeat that, folks. You've got to bear with me. These transitional glasses just don't work for me. <laughs> <clears throat> So in this wall, we remember their sacrifices and share with others so the next generation will not forget. The next generation will not forget. Take time to reflect on the sacrifices of Christ made for you and go one more step, one more step. Share that story with someone. If Jesus is willing to endure the cross, we should be willing to endure that next step by sharing his love to others. We also must be disciplined in mind and body. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 through 18, one of my favorite scripture readings. I'll have it on the I think I have it on there, Jim, don't I? No, I don't. Okay. So if you want to turn to your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 12 through 18. And it reads, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. Therefore... Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth.
with a breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now our struggles seem to be always against flesh and blood. Isn't it people that get in our way most of the time? Pretty much. All about relationships. And you can, you, can, you can look at this also. Isn't it? It's ourselves too. It's ourselves that are our own worst enemies. Maybe sometimes there's some truth to that, but the ultimate reality is that we're in a spiritual battle that can only be fought with a spiritual weapon. Now, to the Galatians, Paul uses military terms when he talks about staying in line and in step with the Spirit. You know, military terms, I, I look back at cadences when you see soldiers marching in the line. They have to be in, in cadence. If they're not, what happens? They're, they're all over the place. So in Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 26, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying, envying one another. Stay in cadence. When we are in a step with the Spirit of God, we will have the passions and the desire of God. And God is not, to, not a consumer of uh, disposition people. Our lives will reflect the heart of God as we serve others in love. Though there are many ways this can be seen, Paul lists nine specific ways that our lives bear the spiritual, uh, spiritual fruit. Nine specific ways, and I want to share that with you. First one is love. This is basically serving people for their, for their worth. Joy is a delight that comes from focusing on Jesus. It doesn't come from comfort, uh, personal comfort. It only comes as a response to the person of Christ. Peace. Confidence and rest. Patience. Persistently enduring without blowing up, giving up or lashing out. We have to have patience. Kindness is the ability to serve others practically. Goodness has to do with personal integrity. Faithfulness. Courageous loyalty. Gentleness is the humble, healing use of power. Self-control. Well, that was a tough one. I always loved chocolate. 
In this case, it's purposeful living. We understand when it is time to relax versus work or spend time with your family instead of your buddies. Okay? And Paul is pretty clear about what he states when we are motivated by selfishness, greed, and power. But he also shows us how we can desire God to help us through the battle and the journey. Also, our struggle is lessened when we live by principle. Biblically speaking, the boundaries are related to self-control. I think everybody would agree to that. Um, you know, the Bible commands us to control ourselves, whereas human nature desires to control others. In Titus chapter 2, verse 12, it, it, it states, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly possessions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Now, if this is left unchecked, our natural desires run rough over others. So our personal boundaries help us to limit our selfish inclination to control or manipulate others. Likewise, boundaries protect us from those who have self-control and who wish to control us. A person with clear, healthy boundaries communicates to others what is and is not permissible, saying, in effect, this is my jurisdiction, my jurisdiction, and you have no right to interfere. Now, God's boundaries are also here to protect us. I'm reminded in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 12. Then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I'm also reminded in Colossians chapter 6, or chapter 2, verse 6 through 12. It describes Christ's superiority in defeating sin. Did you know that the act of forgiveness by God frees us from the internal penalty of sin, restores our relationship, and defeats the evil forces fighting against us? So how are we doing? <laughs> Tough subject, folks. It's, uh, it's something we have to realize that Satan is always finding ways to disrupt our lives. As we come to a close on this topic, topic of boundaries and spiritual warfare, please remember there are four steps to help you. One, we have to acknowledge, acknowledge that Satan is real. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the Son of God came to destroy these works of the devil. He is real, folks. Accept God, given authority. You have authority over the devil. 
Matthew 28, 18, 19 says, we have all authority in heaven and on earth. And then as I mentioned earlier, put on God's armor. Paul says that just as a Roman soldier was properly dressed to do battle, we also need to be dressed for battle. And if you look at a Roman soldier, they were dressed for battle. And lastly, aim the artillery. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 5, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Friends, I pray. The leadership of this church prays for you weekly. We know the struggles. We know the struggles we have. And we're here to support each other as a family and to love each other. So let us pray. Father in heaven, sometime I can sense the pressure mounting on everyday life and darkness around me. I recognize that my enemy is hard at work, whether he is trying to discourage me to get sidetracked, to fall into temptation, to give up, or to take my eyes off you. He's always hanging around. Father, we need your power to stand strong and not surrender. When I'm tired and weak, you are strong. And you are my only source of help. We cannot fight without you. I'm declaring the devil and his demons liars today, Lord. I agree with your word and the truth that you are in me. Strengthen my path, Lord. Forgive my sins. Make me brave so I can stand and fight the spiritual battles in my life and in the, our world. Be with us, and Lord, in Jesus' name I pray, amen.